um, not only that we can gather, but that we can gather here to celebrate today. Um, in so many ways, we just can't wrap our minds around this. Uh, you becoming flesh, you joining us um, so that ultimately we could be in relationship with you. We are so grateful for that. And we're grateful to have heard the stories of uh, several people to be able to hear Advent through their eyes. I'm grateful for Steve and Cindy and them becoming part of our family. Uh, Lord, I'm grateful for each one that is not only in here today, but that would call us home. God, ultimately, we want to find our home in you. We want to hear from you. Uh, as, as Cindy has talked about, we want to be able to sit and listen to your story and know that we are part of it. We pray that we'll do that this morning, that we'd hear your voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, First Church, so you need to choose. You need to make a choice. You've got to decide, decide, decide. Christmas is full of decisions. The Advent season is full of choices. Let me list off a couple just so that you kind of know what I'm talking about. You have to choose whether to have a fake tree or a real tree. For some people, this is a deal breaker. Let's just show of hands. Okay, fake tree, raise your hand. Okay, time to leave. Just kidding, I have a fake tree. Real tree? Everybody else who was too scared to raise your hands? <laughs> you have got to choose where to spend the actual holiday. You've got to choose to spend where to spend tomorrow. Do you spend it at the biological family, at the in-laws? Do you spend it at your house? Or do you go out of country and make it easy for everybody? You've got to choose what foods to eat. Sweet foods, savory foods, fine dining, traditional pizza. Some of this choice depends on how many notches you want to put in your belt by December 31st. You must choose, right? You must choose if you're the one handing out presents to everybody, which gifts to give first. Or if your family goes mass chaos, you have to choose which person to push out of the way to get to the one you want first. You've got to choose whether or not to come back this afternoon at 4.30 for our Christmas Eve service. Big choices. But you've got to make a choice. This holiday season, we've been looking at Advent through their eyes. And by that, we mean we have been looking at the big picture narratives of the stories in the Gospels. Uh, we haven't been looking at the smaller stories so much as what is the author overall trying to tell us about Christmas? What's his point? What's, what does he want us to know about the coming of Jesus? So we looked at Matthew a few weeks back, and we decided that Matthew was telling us that having a kingly heritage is harder than you think. Last week, we looked at Luke's gospel, and we realized we were watching a musical take place. And I kept asking the question, does the story of Jesus make you sing? Now this week, you may be wondering where we're going next. I mean, if you're an avid reader of the gospels, you're thinking, is there another Advent story? I mean, because we've got Matthew, we've got Luke, those are obvious. Mark's gospel starts with, the, with John the Baptist and goes directly into a baptism and then Jesus' ministry. So that leaves us with John's gospel. Go ahead and grab your Bibles if you have them. Turn to John chapter 1, verse 1. The last few weeks I've been looking at this story, the first 18 verses, and wondering what Advent through John's eyes was like. And I've come to the conclusion that in the first 18 verses, we are forced to choose on two different things. We're forced to make a decision. Two questions. One matters, and one really doesn't. 
Okay, one's a question from me and one's a question from John. Listen to the first 18 verses. You can follow along also and see if you can gather, see if you can discern what two questions will arise. Verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, and not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said someone greater is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. Two choices I see in this passage that we are forced to decide on. One choice matters, the other doesn't. We're going to start with the one that doesn't, and I'm going to say this one's from me. This one really doesn't matter, but we're going to talk about it anyways. We have to decide whether or not John's gospel would be considered an Advent narrative. Okay? An Advent narrative. Matthew's is, Luke's is, Mark's isn't, but John's, is it or is it not? We're going to have you guys, uh, we're going to have you guys guess, okay? Either yes or no. I'm going to have you say it out loud. There's going to be yeses, there's going to be noes, but I want to hear it loud enough so that you guys say it so that I can hear it. Okay? Is John's gospel an Advent narrative? On three, say it out loud. One, two, three. Yes no. Good. We had some of each. That's good. I will tell you my answer, and I'll tell you that I'm not always right. This time I am. (laughs) I think it is. Four quick reasons, okay? Advent, the word in the dictionary, means an arrival of a notable person, an event or a thing. An arrival. So John 1.14 tells us that the word became human and made his home among us. I'm going to shortcut the whole who is the word conversation and just say that traditionally the church believes that the word referenced in the first 18 verses is Jesus himself. So insert that into verse 14. So Jesus became human. He became flesh and he dwelt among us or he made his home among us. To me, that's an arrival story. Okay. I also think that John's gospel is, the first 18 verses, is an Advent story for for a few other reasons. 
I think there's too many echoes in John from Matthew and Luke. Look at this. The idea of Jesus being light and bringing light, being light and bringing light to the darkness. John 1, 4, and 5. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Okay? John chapter 1, verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Okay, that's from John. Now, let's look at what Simeon said about the baby Jesus in Luke's gospel. Luke 2, verse 32. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. How about what Zechariah said, John's dad, about Jesus in the Gospel of Luke also, Luke 1, verse 78 and 79. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Matthew's Gospel also mentions light. It's a little less direct. He mentions a star that guided people to find Jesus. To me, the light in the darkness found in John is so much of an echo of Luke and Matthew that it says to me, well, this is also the same type of story as the other two. Another reason. All three gospel accounts speak of Jesus as being God's son. John chapter 1, verse 14. So the word became human and was made and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Okay, so that's John's gospel. Now let's look at Luke's. He will be called very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. So we've got John, we've got Luke, and now let's go to Matthew. And it says they stayed there until Herod's death. This was uh, speaking of Jesus and his family in Egypt. It says, this fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Now, students, I know that we are on Christmas break, so just bear with me. Let's use our deductive skills for a second. If the two stories, Matthew and Luke, are Advent narratives, and their main character is called God's son, if the main character in a third story is called God's son, couldn't we deduce that that story is also an Advent narrative? Maybe I'm looking a little bit too deep. Maybe it's Christmas break and we don't want to think. One more reason. All three stories paint the picture of Jesus as God with us. John 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God. He is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. That's John. Now Matthew. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. And now Luke's account this is uh, Elizabeth speaking to Mary. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Could probably add the inclusion of John the Baptist uh, as a baby in all three stories to bolster my argument that this is an Advent narrative. But ultimately, I said two questions. One matters, one doesn't. This one really doesn't matter. You know, you may have never thought of John 1, verses 1 to 18 as an Advent narrative, as a Christmas story. And if you didn't, that's fine. 
Not a deal breaker. We can still exchange Christmas cookies and be good. Okay? That question doesn't matter. The other question does. And John forces us to wrestle with it. He forces us to say, yes, I'm going to choose one way or the other. And you may be wondering, what choice is it? Well, it's a simple choice, yet an extremely difficult one to make. You must decide, in reading the first 18 verses of John, what difference this story is going to make in your life. You must choose to do something with this story. Indifference, apathy, waiting till later in life. Those no longer work if you really take John 1, 1 to 18 for what it's worth. Okay? If, we, if the Jesus we talked about in John is the same Jesus that we celebrate being born in a stable, laid in a manger, celebrated by shepherds and magi, if this is the same Jesus, then we must decide what to do with him. In John, Jesus is described as having a foreverness about him. The first two verses in John. In the beginning, the word already existed. Remember, we decided Jesus was the Word. So Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. If we truly believe that when it says Word, it's talking about Jesus, and if we believe that's the same Jesus as the Advent narratives in in Luke and Matthew, then we can't sit idly by learning that there is a person who has foreverness in him. In the first 18 verses, Jesus is described as having a creative, life-giving power about him. Verse 3 and the first half of 4, God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. So a creative, life-giving power. If the cute little baby Jesus is laying in a manger is the same person, we can't sit idly by and just golf clap for him anymore. If the Jesus that was talked about in Matthew and Luke is the same one that John talks about, he brings more than just a light that guides shepherds to his stable. He brings a light that brings life to a dark world. A world that is in dire need of direction and saving, and no one can put that light out. John 4, the second half of it, verse 5, his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. If there is, here's the word, an unturnoffable, an unturnoffable light radiating from Christ that cannot be extinguished, we can't ignore it anymore. If the postcard Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas with Christmas TV specials, uh, with Christmas cards, with celebrities mentioning him by name, if that's the same Jesus that we see in the first 18 verses of John, then we are forced to decide what are we going to do with him. It would be easy, or easier at least, to say, I really like this postcard, Jesus. I really like the stories I hear when I come to church on Christmas Eve and maybe the Sunday before, maybe the Sunday after, but it's New Year's Eve, so that might be a stretch, okay? I think Jesus is pretty cool. I mean, he brings peace, right? That's what we hear every Christmas. He brings goodwill to men. That's also what we hear. He brings light. I can subscribe to this Jesus for the last third of December. 
Do you like Jesus? Do you like the Jesus that we're reading about in John 1, 1 to 18? Everlasting, creation maker, life giver, light bringer, word become flesh and living amongst us, gracious blessing bestower, unfailing love and faithfulness supplier, revealer of God because he is God. Do you like this Jesus? I love what Matthew Keller writes in his book, Hidden Christmas. He says, look, if... The Jesus we read about in Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2, John 1, 1 to 18. If everything we see in this Jesus is real, he says you can't just like him. In the Bible, people who actually saw and heard Jesus never reacted indifferently or even mildly. Once they realized what he was claiming about himself, either they were scared of him furious at him, or they bent their knee and worshipped him. But nobody simply liked him. Nobody said, he's so inspiring. He makes me want to live a better life. If the baby born at Christmas is the mighty God, then we must serve him completely. That is the choice that John is telling us we have to make. This is Advent through John's eyes. You can't just like Jesus. You can't I'm going to say it. You can't sit here on Christmas Eve and then come a couple months later at Easter and think you and God are buddies. You've got to believe the story, but you've got to do more than just say you believe. Because if you just say you believe, I'll put you in the same category that Jesus' half-brother James would put you in. James chapter 1, verse 19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. You can't just say you believe and not have it affect you. You've got to choose what to do. John's telling us this. Verse 12, I think this is the key verse in this passage. John says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Believe and. Did you catch that? We put it in capital letters so that it'd be a little bit more obvious. Believe and. My translation says accept. Most of yours says receive. This word is not near uh, pointed enough in the English. In the Greek, this word, which is up there, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, okay? The word receive means to actively take hold of. To lay hold by aggressively accepting what is available. The word means to accept with ambition, emphasizing the assertiveness of the receiver. Okay? Think about Christmas dinner. If you're going buffet style on the, on, from the, the, the kitchen counter and the dining room is in here, you can sit at the dining room table and believe dinner's over there. Yeah? But until you do something about it, until you receive it, you're not going to get the nourishment that it provides. You're not going to get to explore the tastes that people have spent hours putting into it. I think John's saying the same thing. I'm not saying that you can earn your salvation. Salvation is through grace, it's through faith, it's a gift from God. But I think John's saying you have to do something actively to receive it. As a little kid, you may have messed around with your brother when he brought you your present and you didn't like take it, so he threw it at you, right? God's not going to throw this at you. Receive means you have to do something about it. There is a 
uh, active component to it. When we are willing to say that the sweet little baby that is sung about and talked about and read about in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, when we are willing to say that that same baby is the baby that's talked about or the person that's talked about in John with this phenomenal language, when we make that connection, we have to choose, are we going to do something with this? Matthew 1.21 claims that Jesus will save us from our sins. I've got to aggressively accept what he's offering. All three Gospels call Jesus God with us. We have to assertively seek him out. John's Advent narrative tells us that Jesus is the from forever light and life and love giver. We have to actively take hold of him. You can't just do that by liking Jesus on December 24th. You know, as I was preparing for this this morning, I started wondering, should I soften the language at all? I mean, what if we have guests? Well, listen, if you're a guest and you are exploring this Jesus thing for the first time, I welcome you. I am thrilled that you took the risk to walk through our doors into a room full of people that you don't know to try and figure out who Jesus is. Please come back. I don't want to soften this at all, though. And here's why. There's about two billion people in the world that claim they are Christians. I think a lot of them haven't made it past the I believe stage. It's not affecting their life at all. They look no different, act no different, talk no different, feel no different than everybody else around them. They say they believe, but they haven't received. We have to take that step. Jesus has to be able to transform your life. That's a big fancy church way of saying you got to change by what Christ does in you. John mentions this in verse 12 and 13. To all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Rebirth happens when your life is transformed. It happens when your life changes. So what does that look like? What does life changed look like practically? You know, we could probably list off a thousand different things. The same guy who wrote the Gospel of John, we believe, also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John towards the end of the New Testament. And listen to it. 1 John 1, 1 and 2. See if it sounds familiar to what we've looked at today. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. Sounds a little bit like the stuff we've been seeing this morning, right? We'll go about a chapter more, and I think that John tells us this is kind of what the life change is going to look like. John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 6, 3 through 6. We can be sure that we know him, that we've received him, if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't believe or doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. 
That is how we know that they are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's life transformed. Are you living in obedience to Christ? And does your life look more and more like Jesus? Maybe more today than it did yesterday. More today than it did six months ago. Maybe more today than a year ago or ten years ago. Is change happening? Because that's how you will know God is working within you to create a new birth. There are so many choices we have to make over the holiday season. What kind of tree? Where to spend tomorrow? How much food to eat? In the grand scheme of things, do those choices matter? Jesus in a manger. Jesus visited by shepherds and magi. Jesus in John's gospel arriving. What are you going to do with him? This choice matters. You've got to go beyond just liking him. You've got to go beyond saying you believe in him. You've got to choose to believe and vigorously, passionately pursue him. Living a life in obedience that will result in God changing you from the inside out. That's the decision I believe John is calling us to make, and that's what I think is Advent through John's eyes. Advent through John's eyes. I said at the beginning, we're being forced to answer two questions. One matters, one doesn't. Over the next 24 to 36 hours, most of us are going to sit around. We're going to celebrate the birth of a baby laid in a manger. What are you going to do with him? What difference is that going to make? That is the choice that matters. It's your choice. Decide, decide, decide. If you want to talk more about it, come and find me after. Let's pray. God, I know that there are times when people ask, why didn't God just make everybody believe? Why didn't God just make them obey? But I want to thank you for allowing us to choose. And I want to thank you for allowing us to choose a gift that you are offering freely. You, incarnate, joining us. God in human flesh. Jesus making his home among us. God, would you help us choose wisely what to do with him? We recognize that your word tells us it will transform and change our life. And even though that can be scary, ultimately, if this is you, we want it. So help us make that choice well. Today, tomorrow, and in the days ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.